What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your M.O.? To find your M.O., tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live. We'll let the stream, you know the drill, we'll let it breathe just for a minute. Breathe. Make sure it's nice and stable. Welcome in everybody to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented as always by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we are now one day removed from revealing our grades on the Denver Broncos draft hall. I think for the most part, even fans who maybe didn't 100% agree with everything we had to say, at least understood our perspectives. But you're going to have those those haters every once in a while that are just going to try and pick nits in everything that you say. And it's been a fun uh, fun 24 hours. Listen, I never object to anyone disagreeing with me. That's the whole beauty of this pod, Chad. That's the whole beauty of America. Everyone has an opinion, and we can all share it. I, I'm never saying that I know everything, and uh, but people are acting like I gave the Broncos an F when I said they're a borderline A grade. This has the potential to be the best Broncos draft class the last three years. It also has the lowest floor to me. It has the highest ceiling, the lowest floor in terms of draft classes. So that's why mm-hmm. I wanted to see these potential players pan out. I want to see if they can hit on their picks. And uh, I still disagree, and I hold true to what I said. I don't like where they devoted the resources to. It's not the players. It's the positions that they targeted in the rounds they did. And that's been one of the, you know, two years ago, I guess three drafts ago, when John Elway and Matt Russell decided to turn over that new leaf, the way they prioritized their board elevating high character, elevating football IQ, elevating maturity and leadership and these type of considerations on the same level as the athletic traits and whatnot. When you do that, you raise the floor, as you just talked about. But in some cases, not in every case, you lower the ceiling. You lower the the possibility of the payoff because, for example, if Carlos Henderson, God bless him, but if he would have had you know his priorities together – that dude's natural ability could have made him one of the most explosive players in the NFL. Yeah. But so his ceiling was way up here, but the Broncos took a chance on that ceiling instead of paying attention to the, you know, downside risk and ended up getting burned. So you got to try and find that sweet spot. And I think the last two drafts have proven 2018 and 19, not, not counting 20 yet, that Elway's path is beginning to pay dividends. It's making a difference on the ultimate trajectory of this team. I mean, they finished one game above their previous season and the season before that, six and 10. Last year, seven and nine. 
And this time, though, Zach, they finished on a four and one finish, and now they're stacking one more of those similar, you know, respectable ceiling, but high floor classes. And it's going to be fun to see how it shakes out. And tonight, before I serve this over to you, we're going to go through and just take a quick snapshot at some of the national perspectives how they graded the Broncos and get everybody's take on that. Yeah, at bare bones, the Broncos got better. That's all you want from the draft, Chad. The, the team yeah. getting better. The Broncos added more talent. They boosted the offense. They prioritized Drew Locke. I don't really have a problem with this draft class, but to me, like I explained, it does have the lowest floor and the highest ceiling. Right now, it's a B plus. I think that's a solid, fair grade with the potential to be an A. So it's not like I'm trashing it. It's not like I'm hating on it. I just want to see the players, some of them in the mid-rounds, pan out. All right, before we get into it today, a couple quick matters of business. First, a hello to everybody that's been hanging out in the room. What's going on, Bronx legend? We're going to grab your super here in a second. Buana, my friend, what's going on? I did get your email today. I will reply uh, after tonight's show. Ryan's good to see you, Stu. Toy Mafia, everybody that has been hanging out, waiting for us. We appreciate you. We're going to get to the crux of today's show here in just one second. First, a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with our show in real time. And while you're at it, make sure you're also following the main account at Mile High Huddle. That's how you stay plugged into breaking Broncos news and analysis as it's happening in real time. And a gentle reminder, <clears throat> go to HuddleUpPod.com, get your swag on, get yourself a hat, get yourself a mask, get yourself a T-shirt, a hoodie, a mug there's all kinds of stuff whatever your individual predilection might be for swag there's something for everybody male female just another way to support the show and if you don't want to do that that's all good we understand it make sure you like this video before you leave however long you end up staying with us watching this live or even after the fact like the video you guys have no idea how much that can help what zach and i and the other podcasts here at mile high huddle are trying to accomplish this is the Overtime Podcast Network. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach. I want to do a quick kind of going around the horn a lot of our subscribers on YouTube have probably already seen the video that I published yesterday afternoon 
should say for those listening, Sunday afternoon, that kind of is a roundup of what the national perspectives were, the grades on the Denver Broncos draft hall. But for the sake of our conversation, I'm going to go around the horn, serve a couple of these over to you, get your thoughts. We'll find out what the superstars think on these very same issues and whatnot. Uh, first and foremost, next-gen stats. This one was interesting. And I, in fact, published an article on this, an individual article at milehighhuddle.com Saturday evening after the draft ended. And it took fire. I mean, it was a viral article for the site. And even that was with Facebook being down. Facebook's back up for us, by the way. We can't stream on it till Friday. But Facebook, we're able to post and share and do our thing. So next-gen stats, Zach, they gave the Denver Broncos a draft score of 77. We don't need to go into necessarily what that means. What you need to know is that it was the number one grade across Mm. all 32 teams. And here's what they said. The Broncos were one of five teams who did the best job of prioritizing athleticism and production throughout the draft as represented by average overall draft score of the class, according to next gen stats draft model. So Zach, they're trying to, what they're saying is the Broncos did the best job bar none, hands down of balancing guys who are athletic and have that upside and that potential with guys who have a corresponding production on the field. If they're saying the Broncos had the best draft in the NFL, Chad, I have to disagree with that. They had a really good haul. It was very, very solid, hence the B-plus, A-minus kind of grade I gave them. But the Cowboys killed it. The Vikings killed it. The Ravens killed it. The Bills did a good job. There were other teams that I think could compete with the Broncos draft class. If they hit on all their picks and the players pan out the way they think they do based on the value, this could be, easily will be, the best draft class in 2020 among the entire NFL. But I just disagree that it was the best. It was really good. It was top five, probably. I don't know about number one, though. Pro Football Focus, who has been, let's say, a little bit skeptical of Drew Locke and the Broncos uh, in 2020. They gave the Broncos an A+. Here's what they said, quote, this is from – I don't, I don't think I got the name, but this is from PFF. Quote, the oft-injured, this is focusing on uh, Natani Muti, the oft-injured Fresno State product has all the tools to be an elite guard in the NFL. We'd be talking about him in much higher esteem had he not had his last two seasons cut short with injury. He ranked first among all interior offensive linemen and 39th overall on PFF's big board. Close quote. Zach, it's an A+. And on the topic of Muti, I, did, I spent a lot of time today watching more of his tape. And he's a very exciting player, but he shares a lot of similarities with Garrett Bowles coming out of Utah in terms of his temperament, the bully mentality, going beyond the whistle, finishing guys off, pile driving, things like that, which are exciting. And you, it's, it's fun to see that happen. But with, without the right temperament, as we've seen with Garrett Bowles in, in Denver these last three years, I'll, get, I'll give him some credit, last two and a half years or the ensuing two and a half years, it can bite you in the butt. You know, Mootsy, that pick for me potentially gets an A-plus in the sense that if he pans out and he just shakes his injury history, he could be a long-term starting guard for the Broncos. He can be a very good player. He's a mauler. He's great in run support. He can help in pass pro. That grade to me gets an A, but does that make or break the draft class, Chad? What if he busts? Is the draft class an F? I don't... I don't understand grading it that high based off of one pick. It was a good value pick. It was a good potential upside pick, but that has to pan out. It can easily go the other way as well. One thing I liked about watching his tape, though, that is different than Garrett Bowles, when you talk about that bully mentality for Muti, is he really plays with just kind of a Brett Favre kind of joy. Obviously, he's not a quarterback, but that just pure joy and having fun out there with the dudes and running around and celebrating every little victory 
is uh, pretty cool to see. So Muti, we'll see if he can stay healthy, but he could be if if PFF's right and just looking at his tape, he's got a lot to like as an interior player for this team. And by the way, on that subject, I received a question today. Well, can he play left tackle? Doesn't he have left tackle experience? He does, but it was early on in his career at Fresno State, and there was a reason why they quickly moved him inside. That's really all you need to know. All right, Sports Illustrated, the mothership, all right? The worst grade SI handed out was they ended up going kind of uh, pick by pick. They didn't – I couldn't find anywhere where it was an individual grade for the entire class. The worst grades act that mothership handed out was a C for the McTelvin and Gene pick at 95 in the third round. And mostly everything else, though, was A's and B's. So – I'm just going to leave that one there and move on to Bleach Report since it's not an overall grade. BR gave the Broncos class a, an A grade from Joe Tanzi. Here's what they said, quote, Denver surrounded second-year quarterback Drew Locke with plenty of help. Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler should take defensive attention away from Cortland Sutton, and they'll open up opposing secondaries as deep threats. LSU center Lloyd Cushenberry also reinforces the interior protection so that Locke will have time to pick out his variety of options, close quote. So an A from Bleach Report. I, I could see it. It's not an A plus, but that's that's a more fair grade. I'm more of an A minus. And I just, you know, I have a comment that came in here, Chad. Someone called me a hater uh, because of what I said. Cam calls me a hater. I don't understand how I'm hating on the Broncos draft class if I'm giving it a B plus, A minus grade. Who in the chat right now would give this class an A plus? I just want to know if anyone thinks in the comments this is the best draft class in the entire NFL. Me saying that doesn't make me a hater. It's my opinion. They had a top five class, though, Chad. I would agree that it's an A just not a perfect grade for me. That's all. That kind of ties into USA Today. They matched your grade with a B plus. And again, that's something to, t- to take away. My grade was actually worse than Zach's overall. I gave it a B minus. Zach gave it a B plus. Here's what USA Today really focused on uh, was the Jerry Judy, um, KJ Hamler being able to compliment Cortland Sutton and also Noah Fant. Then you get to NFL.com, Zach. It was an A from Chad Reuter. The New York Post was an A. And there was a few other places we could go to. I think SB Nation gave him an A as well. But the takeaway for me, again, is I really love that I think John Elway, you know, there's a trend here that you can hang your hat on. John Elway really did turn over a new leaf leading up to the 2018 draft. And now he's got three consecutive sample-sized worth of drafts to say, look, he's onto something here. Whether or not this class ends up panning out in terms of, you know, every pick being a hit, only time will tell. But on paper, so far it looks good. We just want to see it come out in the wash. By virtue of of Elway committing to Drew Locke, to getting him offensive line help, getting him more wide receivers, that gets an A. Getting Judy where he did, getting Cushenberry where he did, Moody where he did, those are great value picks. So it gets an A-, minus. that's what I'm saying. And if you look at the comments, Chad, we're not the only people who give it a quote-unquote lower grade. Everyone in here is saying B, B+, A-, minus. no one is saying a perfect grade. The Broncos did really well based solely on the fact they committed to their franchise quarterback. If they can hit on these upside middle round picks it could be the nfl's best draft but it has to play out people say we can't judge it for three years you can't say it's an a plus for three years either it could be i just don't think right now it is yeah and again the one thing to take away too is the biggest thing that kept this from being a more perfect grade for both of us was simply most of the time as we said yesterday had nothing to do with the pick the player itself it was the decisions made in terms of you know, adding a tight end in the fourth round, we get four nine ties to Drew Locke. We get all that. It's he's an exciting young player, and this is nothing against him. It's just that 
you passed on a lot of good players at that pick that you missed out on later on in the fifth, by the time the fifth round rolled around that might, in our opinion, would have probably been more of an immediate help to this team. I mean, you look at Albert O, he could end up becoming a phenomenal Noah Fant type player for the Denver Broncos, but he's probably not going to make that anything close to that level of an impact in 2020, maybe 2021. But again, who's going to, where are the targets going to come from? Pat Shermer, let us not forget, likes one tight end on the field. And when there are two tight ends on the field for Pat Shermer, that second tight end is blocking. He's not catching passes. So just little things like that is, you know, like, for example, would you prefer to have Albert O in the fourth round? Um, well, that's not that's not fair because because ADG went early. Look at look at a gene at pick 95, for example. Would you rather have McTelvin a gene at pick 95 in a perfect world? Like right now, if you could call your shot, Broncos country, think about this. Or would you rather have that speed demon athletic, you know, nickel linebacker that can help you take away the tight end in ADG, which you could have taken at 95 and they chose to take a gene instead. It's just little forks in the road like that that makes it a little bit imperfect for us. That doesn't mean we're panning the class. A B minus and even a B plus, those are still very positive grades. My kid comes home from school with a B minus or a B plus. <laughs> I'm giving him a high five. Okay. Uh, Bronx legend jumping in super chat, superstar $5. Appreciate you, bro. I can't wait to see the different disguises our defense is going to have. Do you guys think our new corner, Michael Ojemudia, would shine in this defense? The more I've studied him, Zach, the more I'm inclined to say, yes, there's a reason Vic Fangio really kind of fixated on him, even though he went a little bit earlier than I think a lot of draft picks expected. Uh, it wasn't too far off the mark, and it really just comes down to fit. And for Fangio, Ojemudi was the right fit in the, at the top of the third. I, I will say he, he definitely has the potential to be better than Langley and Yadam were, but how high is that bar, Chad? What kind of barometer is that setting? In the Vic Fangio system, he got to handpick this cornerback. He fits the scheme on paper, but based on the Broncos' recent draft history, I, this, this is a wait, and I'll see it when I believe it. When it happens, I'll give it credit where it's due. I'll praise the pick. But until then, you're just looking at the Broncos' draft history at cornerback, and you're considering who the Broncos could have went with at that spot instead. Ojemudia wasn't on my big board at that spot, but if he turns out to be a good player, can push Yadam off the depth chart or off the team preferably, I'll be a fan. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. David jumping in with a $20 super, one of our Thank super you, chat superstars. You know, we appreciate you, brother. He says, since Joe Burrow is now a Bengal, what happens to Andy Dalton? And also wanted to see what you guys think of where we stand right now in the division since it seems Kansas City and Las Vegas especially got better. Uh, to my knowledge, isn't Dalton a free agent that remains unsigned? Or I think he's under contract still. Which is he? They were looking to trade him. It never happened. I'm not. Let me let me look real quick. Now now that's going to bother me. I don't know. Uh, Bengals aren't on the top of my docket of stuff to do every day in terms of staying on top of what they're doing. But it shows. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, he's still under contract for the for the Bengals. So. Sounds like he's going to be the the fail safe, show the rookie the ropes type situation, and the the reins will get tossed to uh, Burrow here in the very very near future. But as it relates to the AFC West and the Broncos, where do they stand? Zach, I'll let you start that, and then I'll I'll piggyback on yours. It's too early to say. I mean, obviously the Chiefs reign supreme. Everyone is catching them, and both the Raiders and the Broncos drafted to model themselves after Kansas City. So it's Casey and then everybody else, but. Maybe I'm biased. Maybe I'm not objective. I believe the Broncos are the second best team. I believe they will be a playoff team pushing for the AFC West to win that, to beat out Kansas City. I do not know. But if Drew Locke takes the next step and these draft picks pan out, they for sure could be a double-digit win team. And after the last half decade, we would all love that. I still think, look, the way that 2019 finished, the Broncos were in second place in the AFC West. And even though I do maintain that the Broncos got better with this draft class, they also had a few losses in free agency that I'm still waiting to see how they, they take shape. I haven't seen anything from, I mean, the Raiders did have a few really good picks this year, yeah. but I still haven't seen anything by way of their overall trajectory that makes me go, Oh, you know, they're number two now in the division. Now not number two is nothing that you want to hang your hat on. That's, that's not what you settle for, but I'm saying in terms of if we're power ranking the AFC West right now, going into 2020 based on the draft, based on free agency, I think it still measures up with Kansas City at the top, world defending world champs, Broncos, Raiders, and the Chargers. We'll have to see how that quarterback situation evolves for them. That's the thing. If the Broncos didn't have the Chiefs in their own division, they would be favorites, I think, to take the crown. It's just yeah. it's, it's unfortunate they have the reigning world champs who have the best quarterback and the NFL has seen for a while under center for the long term. So if they, he, they weren't there, the Broncos would have a clearer path. But regardless, like I said, the last half decade of mediocrity, who wouldn't take a 10 or 11 win season, even if it's a wild card right now? But I mean, Drew Locke needed weapons. Elway gave it to him, gave him better protection inside. Nick Kendall put forth a theory today in one of his articles. You guys should go check it out at milehighhuddle.com that a lot of fans were trying to try, you know, wringing their hands wondering why the Broncos didn't prioritize offensive tackle more in this draft. We've wondered that as well. We thought there was a couple points. In fact, our bones that we pick with this class, there was a couple points where we're like, well, why didn't you take a tackle there based on who was on the board? Well, Nick's theory, and I'm not sure I can't speak for him. He'll be on tomorrow night with building the Broncos. So you guys can ask him. 
But his theory is that, you know, Drew Locke, like most quarterbacks, edge pressure, they can deal with, you know, because they can, if they have even a modicum of pocket presence, they can step up, right? They can climb the pocket, evade that pressure, make the pass. Uh, interior pressure, when it's right in their face, though, Drew Locke showed at Missouri that when that happened, he would drift. Elway's ego and his pride in the Garrett Bowles pick and the signing of Juwan James always going to be tied to that deal. He wants to see some payoff from his starting tackles. Regardless, though, not drafting one at all or not picking up one at all in the, between seven rounds was awful. I don't agree with that. They have to back up the offensive line, Chad. So it means if it's signing a free agent or trading for one, they got to get that back up in the building. For what it's worth, though, I will say this, Elway's tonality on the Bulls issue has shifted since the draft even. <clears throat> and that is, there was a report about a week before the draft. I can't remember who who broke this. Anyway, it was Elijah Wilkinson himself saying that he's been told by the coaches that he's going to be given an opportunity to compete at left tackle. And we kind of joke about that, right? Which it is scary. John Elway said in his uh, post-draft presser that, yes, Bowles is going to have to compete with Wilkinson for that job. He's not being grandfathered or anything. Now, that's what he's saying. It'll be interesting to see if it shakes out that way because, I mean, Wilkinson, he's a try-hard guy, but he's not a do-well guy. Like, 10 sacks he relinquished at right tackle last year, six penalties. Like, what makes you think you want that as the blindside protector? Anyway, let's grab Bronco Batman here, Zach, real quick. Jumping in with a $5 super. It's good to see you. Thanks Thank for you. the support, my friend. What's up, guys? Loved our draft. Personally love the Ajim, uh, Ajim pick. Being from Arkansas, kind of biased. <laughs> Keep up the great work, guys. Thank yeah, you. and that's the thing is, you know, if I shut out all other considerations and I just focus on the player, there's a lot to get excited about, Ajim. Former um, edge, edge rusher turned interior player. He's got a little bit of a of twitch to his game. Teamed up with Fangio and Bill Kalar. It could be he could he could pay some dividends, maybe not so much in 2020, but in 2021 and beyond. That's what I'm excited about, that they have Vic Fangio and Bill Kalar going at bat for this prospect. If they didn't have them, I'd feel worse about it. I feel like the Broncos reached and wasted a pick, but they needed to replenish that defensive cabinet because Shelby Harris on a one-year contract. Jarrell Casey's not getting any younger. They lost Gotsis. They lost Derek Wolf. They need a guy behind Draymond Jones. This pick can go from a C to an A, depending on how he progresses. I will say one tinfoil hat theory about Bolza that came to me while you were talking, Chad. Maybe they're putting him in a competition with Wilkinson, knowing he should beat him out. Maybe that'll help his confidence. That would be something that Elway would do to salvage Bowles as a first-round draft pick. Help his confidence and give him a sense of threat, self-preservation. Competition does raise all ships. You know, that's one thing we complained about a lot from Garrett Bowles is – just kind of a sense of entitlement. There's that apocryphal report of that I was told, for example, once that Bowles could be witnessed during training camp practices with his, you know, he would do something that wasn't perfect or whatever. A coaching point where the coach would step in, for example, and say, Bowles, what are you doing on this? You should be zigging when instead of zagging, whatever the question is, right? Whatever the issue was. And he would just literally turn his back on the coach and walk away. That is the that's an, an entitled, spoiled kind of, you, you can't do nothing to me. I'm a first-round pick. I'm, I'm beloved around here. And this sends a message to him that kind of nips that mentality in the butt. And that's one thing I do think you're right on, Zach, that I think Elway's also trying to work a little psychology here. Maybe a guy who had uh, issues with maturity and he kind of was a late bloomer in that sense. It wouldn't surprise me, Chad. Anything to improve his self-confidence, give him a sense of accomplishment in the NFL, I think Elway would do. Let's grab Jeff jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. A super chat superstar bonafide. 
He says, here in smoke, that if Locke doesn't perform next season, they'll go get Rodgers at quarterback. Zach, ding, ding, ding. Uh, since he likely wants out after drafting a quarterback. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Thank you for bringing that up, Jeff, because it's ironic that you do. Zach and I were discussing this right before we went live tonight. For what it's worth, this is coming from nothing but an individual writer. God bless him at heavy.com, one of Zach's colleagues. Uh, who is just spitballing that if Rodgers tries to force his way out, the Broncos would be a good destination for him. Apparently, though, this dude missed the fact that Tom Brady was just barely a free agent. John Elway wanted nothing to do with it. The greatest quarterback of all time. John Elway wasn't into that. He's he's in on Drew Locke, and this draft proves that. So uh, maybe I'll do some kind of a article on this fiction. That I mean, it's nothing. It's it, it's. I'm sure it's uh, – a good read. I haven't read it front to back. I've just seen the headline and Zach and I talked about it, but there's no there there. I wouldn't even say smoke, Jeff. That's just one writer who probably doesn't cover the Broncos on a daily basis. No. That's just kind of spitballing, trying to connect some dots. It's one writer rubbing two sticks together. Talk about fire, Chad. There's nothing yep. there. And the thing with Brady, he was a free agent. Rodgers under contract. The Broncos, can you imagine what the Packers would ask, even if they did make him available? Now with Jordan Love in the building, they would want multiple first-round draft picks. Not to mention Rodgers isn't the youngest. Not to mention he's going to want another lucrative contract. It's not going to happen. Drew Locke, it, it, they're tied to him. They're hitched to him. He's the future right now, and no other discussion needs to happen about that. Oh, look. Your card was there. Glenn, appreciate that, my friend, jumping in. Super chat, superstar, $5 super. Chad, you've amassed a team of personal, personal, personable, excuse me, hardworking experts that, including you two studs, have become must-see TV for so many Broncos fans. Well, that's great to hear, my friend. You know, I really appreciate that. It's, uh, I know for a lot of you who've been following, uh, who follow us on YouTube or just started following us on YouTube, like, say, circa summer of 2019 and, and beyond, you know, it seems like we just came out of nowhere, but this is something that we've been plugging away on for a long time, man, a long time. Uh, it took us a long time to even get to a point where we could start really building up momentum on YouTube and everything else, but we really appreciate it. And uh, honestly, you know, the, I got to do a little bit of juggling and, you know, there's leadership involved, but MHH is about the community of staff and the community of fans. And I couldn't, it wouldn't be the brand that it is today, what it's become without guys like Zach without guys like Eric putting in the, the the time to scout, Nick, Carl, all the dudes. So it's I, I tip my cap to those guys. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, we're we're uh, as as successful today as we are. Yeah, we I think we all have our strengths and weaknesses and uh I, I think that we all have opinions on certain things. We all like to draft more or for agency more. Chad and I have our strengths and other things. Nick and I, I defer to Nick and Carl and Eric. They just do a bang up job with the draft coverage and, and knowing their stuff. And also the community we have, Chad, the, the way this has grown and the interaction that we have and the support we have every single day, this would not be where it is without you guys. So we always say it off camera. We say it on camera, but I'll say it again. Thank you so much for everything you guys do for us. One of my mentors taught me, in fact, this was something I learned from my dad, is that a manager or a, in my case as a publisher, as an editor, a manager or a leader hires or adds people to that, that can fill the gaps they can't or who are experts in areas that they aren't, right? So naturally, that's that's where guys, I mean, even Zach, the things Zach does, there are things that Zach can do that I can't do. There are things that Eric does that aren't my cup of tea. Same with Nick. And, and that's how we keep it a balanced attack here, I think, at MHH, which is one of the things 
I know our listeners and readers and members of the community really appreciate the, the differing voices that all have something to say, but we all know what we're talking about in our respective right. Damien jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. $5 super. Thank you. He says, I also give them a B minus. So his, his grades match and my grade. They didn't get a coverage linebacker. I agree. They didn't need another tight end. Damien, Justin Sternad, I think, could fit that role. I, I think that's why he was drafted. Vic Fangio didn't gush about him after the draft like I kind of expected that he would. Uh, we know he rubber-stamped the pick, but I think you're going to see him kind of be more – yeah, he doesn't run uh, as fast as some of the other guys like ADG. The Broncos could have gotten the third round. But once he bounces back completely from that bicep, I think he's going to be – you know, it might take some time, but I think he could be that coverage linebacker. I think he's everything and more that we thought we were getting with Josie Jewell. He, he's just a really solid all-around linebacker, a lunch pail player who shows up and does his job well. And if he can be that long-term stud next to A.J. Johnson, I'm all for it. He has that potential, and this is one of the mid-round picks I like a lot for the Broncos' future specifically. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Spoons Ponds. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Spoon PWNS. Love you guys. Saw a report after the draft that asked, who was the biggest threat to Kansas City, L.A., or Las Vegas? Am I crazy? Or uh, Oh, who's the biggest threat to Kansas City, L.A. or Las Vegas? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, that's one of the things Zach and I were kind of laughing about before we went live tonight is we're sitting here reading all these A's and B grades from the national perspectives, yet when people start making lists and power ranking the 2020 NFL, the Broncos are, are still going to be an afterthought to most of these national writers. So how much of a difference did it really make in the grand scheme of things in terms of the national narrative? Very little. And the only way to change that, Zach, is to storm into 2020 and just 
be a team that is a force to be reckoned with. And we love you two spoons. Who cares what anybody says about the Broncos at this point, good or bad? Obviously, the national media has shown they don't follow the team like we all do. They don't know what they're talking about. And the Broncos thrive off this disrespect. You, you guys, in a roundabout way, should want these things being said about the Broncos, should want this bulletin board material. They feed off that. I do not care what anyone in the outside realm has to say because I know their opinion is rooted in bias and not knowledge, not fact. Brian wants to know, jumping in with a $2 super. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. What was last year's draft grade versus then and now? I don't remember. And I since the site moved, um, when the draft ended in 2019, we were still on 24-7 sports. And now that – well, let me see. I'll tell you. Let's, let's do a quick Google search. Mile high roundtable. Hold on. Grading Broncos draft 2019. Let's see. Let's see what we put. That's uh, day two picks, day three. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it here. I don't want to bog down the podcast. Let's grab day two. Let's just see what everyone graded day two. A minus, let's see, from yours truly, I graded day two of 2019 at A plus. Zach graded it an A. So compared to now, I think, let's see, day two last year was Drew Locke. Day <laughs> two was Dalton. Probably would both still maintain those grades one one uh, one year removed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Last year's draft chat had the highest floor. It was an easy A based on those two picks alone. Getting your starting guard of the future, getting your fr- franchise quarterback of the future in the second round, back-to-back picks. I mean, how could that be anything other than an A? J-Step jumping in. Love the profile pick, dude. Rocking the state of being Mile High Huddle hoodie. Looks good on you, bro. Appreciate that super. He says, hey, fellas, I've seen that we got some good undrafted free agents. One was a running back. Do you think Royce Freeman will be in or out? Hashtag state of being. Dude, Royce Freeman is directly under threat because Levante Bellamy is legit. The uh, Western Michigan kid. The Broncos gave him a whopping $25,000 signing bonus, Zach, which is, for those of us who cover the team, um, I mean, it's pretty, I think the biggest, I mean, you take away what they gave Brett Rippon, right, last year, which was they guaranteed him six figures. They guaranteed him hundred grand, 119 or something like that. Taking him out of the equation, as far as non-quarterback CFAs the Broncos have signed, I think the biggest I ever can remember covering since it was a daily thing for me Jamal Carter, three, four years ago, got 20 grand. Chris Harris got 2,000 signing in 2011, Zach, under the same CBA that, um, you know, last year, for example, same CBA. So I think Bellamy is legit. I think Eric Trickle in his article today, go to milehighhuddle.com and check it out, J-Step. But I think he had Bellamy rated as a sixth round running back, and he can just, he can do a lot. And yeah, if, if Royce Freeman does not come into this training camp hungry, he could find himself on the outside looking in. If I had to make a bold prediction, I'm I'm going to say he's still he's probably still ends up on the roster, but Bellamy's going to give him a run for his money. Yeah, this is another thing where competition will breed the best player and the best result for the team, and it's going to take a lot to unseat Freeman because the Broncos at least know what they have in the guy. I mean, he's what he is. He's a plotter. He's a he's a between the tackles pounder, but he's reliable in that sense. And a couple of years ago, before his ankle injury, he was a really good running back. So Bellamy has a chance to make the team based on what the Broncos paid him at the very least, the practice squad. But I ultimately believe Freeman will be on the fifty three when it's all said and done. 
John Elway has shown a propensity and or at least a willingness when his back's against the wall to, to cut bait with high round draft picks. For a long time, he never showed that willingness, but the last two, three off seasons, you know, on the doorstep of the season, he's cut some big time players, including a first round pick and Paxton Lynch, a few third rounders. He's not messing around. So if Royce doesn't come to play, he could find himself on the outside looking in, but I think he'll stick around. I think he'll make it. Kevin jumping in with a $20 super. Wow. Thank Thank you, Kevin. It's awesome. The 2020 NFL draft is the best in the last three years. Elway's learned so much. Can you imagine our draft next year with the nucleus of young core guys we have? I pray it's the 32nd pick next year. Hashtag Florida strong. Yeah, I mean, taking off the orange colored glasses just a little bit. I think you're right, though, Kevin, that John Elway is, I think it's fair to say, this is the early returns anyway. He's now stacked three draft classes back to back to back. And that's what it takes to turn the ship around. It's a it's a microwaved rebuild. They did it trying to band-aid a few different quarterbacks throughout that, you know, temporary stop gaps, Keenum, well, Simeon Keenum, Flacco, all the while trying to find the real bona fide franchise guy they were hoping it would be their first round pick, Paxton Lynch. Didn't work out that way. Maybe Chad Kelly. He flamed out, got arrested. Finally, Drew Locke, legit, checks every box. So I think they're uh, they're definitely trending in the right direction, Zach. I can't wait for this season. I will give Vance Joseph credit for one thing, and I will never say this sentence again, Chad. When he called it a reboot and not a rebuild, that's what it was for Denver. They didn't tear it all down. They weren't a, a Browns-type rebuild where it spanned a decade. They lasted a few years in this in this you know mediocrity stage, but they rebuilt the team through the draft from the ground up, from the inside out, as they should. There's no question why it's going to pay off, why it started to last year with Drew Locke going 4-1. and one. All those young pieces were coming together and starting to blossom. You add on this draft class, which has the highest ceiling potential and uh, the Broncos are going to be contenders this year. And more importantly for the long term. Brett Schmidt jumping in $10 super. Thank Thank you, Brett and Brett and uh, Kevin, you guys make sure if you're on Twitter, you reach out and let me know who you are. We can connect. So I know who to tag after each and every show. Uh, Appreciate that super. My friend, he says, hello, gentlemen, do you know our salary, where our salary cap is at? And do you think we'll sign a corner still? I've, I've the information I've gotten on this has been conflicting. I saw a report today. I can't remember who it was from. The Broncos have something like 24 million in cap space after the draft. I think Spot Track has the Broncos sitting at 17 million. It's going to be roughly nine million if they sign every one of those 10 picks, which not all 10 are going to make the 53. So, do they have room to add another corner? Yes, but I think. At this stage, they're probably going to balance. Do we do we save that money for an oh you know what moment at corner in training camp if things don't come together like we hope or offensive tackle? Maybe both, but it might only end up having room to do one of those. Uh, they need to pick up a tackle right now. Jason Peters on a one-year contract makes a ton of sense. And if they're looking to free up some money, Chad, Jeff Hireman, I mean, why does he still have a job? Why is he still on the roster? That's almost $4 million they can save right now. Put it toward Jason Peters. Upgrade your offensive line. Get rid of a hireman. You have enough tight ends. But regardless, I think they're going to add one more player, probably an offensive tackle like Cordy Glenn or Peters in the weeks to come. I'm getting some comments here. Now, it's 15 minutes old, but it showed that the stream is glitching. Um, it's, it has seemed steady on our side. I haven't noticed yeah. any glitches. So if that's the case, I I apologize, guys, if that was happening. Um, Let us know in the just, comments. Yeah, I mean – 
Zach, in fact, if you wouldn't mind jumping down to the most recent comment, let us know, guys. I'm going to stay where we're at so we can grab these comments, yeah. but let us know. Uh, we'll try and fix it. Jeff jumping in, what other quarterback gets an entire offense drafted for him? And that is a really good point. Yeah. In fact, we had a little bit of a window into the Broncos' thought process in more ways than one when John Elway said uh, after the draft in his presser that um, when it came to the Albert O pick at 118 in the fourth round, before they tendered that pick in on the card, the virtual card, if you will, they called Drew Locke and said, hey, man, here's our evaluation on Albert O. Tell us what you think about him. Is this a guy you want around? Here's what we like. Here's what we're worried about. What do you think? And, of course, Locke gave him a, a you know, big-time recommendation, and the pick was made. He's a second-year quarterback, dude. Like, that tells you right. something that John Elway is listening, not just because he played with him, but Drew Locke had an influence on five, maybe, of those picks. Not necessarily rubber stamp in each pick, but, like, he had an influence on what the Broncos did, and that's a good point by Jeff. A second-year quarterback, but a first-year starter who missed most of last season, only played in five games, and they're drafting a whole team around him now. You love the commitment, and I think the straw that broke Elway's back on from the veteran retread was Joe Flacco. I mean, they tried with Keenum. They tried with Osweiler before that, bringing him back. Then they tried with Flacco. It didn't work out. Finally, if that meant that disastrous experiment meant we got to see Drew Locke, I'm happy we all went through it. And that's what led the Broncos where they are now. They embraced the new way of doing things, which is getting a young quarterback and building from the ground. Round up. Stu jumping in from the there MHH Mount Rushmore. So consistent. Uh, we appreciate you so much, Stu. We love you, buddy. That that super chat means the world to us. You know that. It's good to see you. Good to have you in the stream. Buana reminding everybody, make sure you leave a like if you're watching. It's especially crucial on YouTube, you guys. It's crucial on YouTube and Facebook. We're locked out of Facebook streaming till Friday, but you're watching on YouTube, most of you right now. Please like the video. It's a simple way to kind of help what we're doing here. Um, all right, let's see what else we've got here. Bear with me one sec. Trying to get down here. Got Brian jumping in. Oh, dog. Best show ever. <laughs> True champion. Appreciate you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. It means a lot to us, my friend. I was shocked about getting a wide receiver in the second. Thought that thought was getting a, an offensive lineman in the second. Then a tight end. We just we just got every uh, every. I don't know. Now we got seven tight ends. LOL. That, I get that for sure. Love you guys. Go Broncos. Good picks. Go Judy. Thank you, Brian. Yep. Appreciate you, Brian. And yeah, that was one of the things that we didn't love. When a you know again, it wasn't that we didn't like every pick. The picks that we didn't like, we just questioned that there might not have been better options on the board that could have made a better impact based on needs at the time for the Broncos. But um, we don't need to rehash all that again. David, jump back in. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, David. Uh, do you guys see us going after Jason Peters as a free agent or any other free agent out there? I would like to see the Broncos at least put in a call to Peters and see what it would cost. What are you looking for? What could you live with? At least check the temperature there. He does – Fit a need, gives you a bona fide swing tackle. If you don't want to bench Bowles or James, that's fine. And we'll see how it shakes out when if it's a real competition at left tackle. But at least Peters, if something happened to either one, you've got a bona fide stud. He's long in the tooth. What is he, Zach, 38 now, I mm -hmm. think? I believe, yeah. So you, you worry about that. But 
I think the Broncos are at least going to check in on him. One of the arguments that was made against signing Peters a couple months ago was why would he join the Broncos? He At this stage of his career, he wants to join a contender. He wants to win a championship. He wants to sign with a instant contending team. And the Broncos maybe weren't that in his eyes, but he has to love and he's seen what the Broncos have done with the draft, their commitment to the offense, their commitment to Drew Locke, the weapons they have there. And what's nice about Peters, Chad, Behind Bowles and James, he would be the best tackle if he entered the game. He's better than both of them on either side. One of the best left tackles in the entire NFL. A huge upgrade on Garrett Bowles. Amazing, unbelievable insurance to have. To me, it's a no-brainer. One-year, heavily incentivized deal. Let's go. Get it done. If I were grading Judy and Cushenberry alone, yeah, A's. Those are both A picks, Easy. undoubtedly. I mean, knocked it out of the park with – Judy, in terms of, I mean, in a perfect world, those of you who've been watching the pod for a long time, listening to the pod, you know that I would have been okay with the Denver Broncos doing something different in the first round and just banking on the depth of this wide receiver class. But if they landed one of the top three, I was going to be okay with that. And Judy was the number two for me behind CeeDee Lamb. They could have taken Lamb, came down to Lamb or Judy. They took Judy, their number one wide receiver on the board, and Cushionberry, a fringe first rounder, dropping to the third. Both of them are A's. Both of them are absolute yeah. A's. And let's see, there's one other here that I want to piggyback on that, higher learnings. Hamler's going to be a starter too. So we got three starters, and you give a B minus. Speaking to me, obviously, uh, specifically. Yeah, I think I've pretty well elucidated why I, I feel that way. Hamler, you know, he's going to be a starter if he ends up coming through like everyone thinks that he will. And I think he will. He'll, he'll be that third wide receiver to open up games with, t- with uh, Noah Fant as the one tight end. And we'll see which running back ends up becoming the, the nominal starter. But just because you're a starter, I mean, Deshaun Hamilton started multiple games last year, right? I mean, right. so that's, that's not the barometer. Higher learnings, the, the reason why the, the grade took some hits for me was in the second round, in the fourth round, and in the first pick in the seventh round. And I can understand if you think I'm nitpicking. That's fine. You got your opinion. I just would have preferred the Broncos do something else. Everything else, that's why they, they're still in the B range for me. It's a really good draft haul. That's exactly where I'm at. I mean, I give it a B plus, which is just a skosh under an A, and I, I, that's a pretty fair grade, I think, based on Judy and Cushenberry alone. Yes, that was an A. They knocked it out of the ballpark. That was a grand slam. Excellent job by John Elway, but you nitpick the cornerback pick, the Albert O pick, the, the three wide receivers where they took them. I just have my reservations, and we're entitled to that. We're willing to eat our crow as well. If they all go on to hit on all these draft picks, it's an easy A+, and we'll come back and admit that, but we have reservations and doubts until these some of these players pan out. Yeah, guys, we're not going to blow smoke. I mean, that's why you're you're watching this podcast. That's why you're listening to it. Some of you after the fact, a lot of you after the fact on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or CastBox. That's why you listen. We're going to tell you the good things. And most of the time, I think we do a pretty good job. Maybe not always. We're not perfect. But I think most of the time, even the things that we don't love, I think we try and convey it in a way that still maintains a positive or optimistic posture. And if you can't take that away from what we're saying right now, I don't know what else to tell you, my friends. Geo jumping in, $5 super. Appreciate you, my brother. Just because I really, uh, with y'all, hang with y'all, let's just say, jive with y'all. I don't know. I can't, I know what you're saying there, my friend. And all the MHH staff and community, 
Broncos draft grade B plus hashtag state of being. So his overall grade matching yours there, Zach. But a lot of people as well, like I mentioned, I asked what was your draft grades, guys, to the to the chat. You know, uh, twenty minutes ago, and everyone said A minus, B plus, B B minus. Everyone is more toward our side than more toward the side of giving it an A plus and calling it the best in the NFL. It's a really good draft haul, but being saying it's a B plus is not hating on it. Saying it is an F no. is hating on it, and neither of us are saying that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, let's have some perspective here, you guys. Terry jumping in from Canada, proving, as always, the Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, Terry. Cheers to the draft. Hashtag state of being. Terry, you should get on Twitter, dude. If you're not on Twitter, create an account, link, uh, link up with us, and uh, let's connect there, my friend. It's it's another place to keep the conversation going. Yeah. Uh, Super Chat Superstar, MHH, Mount Rushmore member, Geo, jumping in with a – Serious super chat. Thank you, my brother. Thank you so much. Hey, guys. Hope everyone in Broncos country is doing well. No question. Just enjoying the content and showing support. That's awesome. That's awesome, George. I'm glad things are shaking out to where you can be on a lot more of these pods and part of the conversation instead of for a while there. I know it was a a struggle for you only on Sunday nights, if I'm not mistaken, was the only one that you could catch. So speaking for both Zach and myself, it's really cool to have you in each and every one of these pods lately. Uh, Frankie jumping in top rope and appreciate that Frankie. Thank you, Frankie. I'm, I'm trying to think, are we connected with you on Twitter? If not, make sure you reach out and let me know who you are, Frankie. So we can uh, connect, follow back and, and uh, meet up on Twitter. Appreciate that. Super my friend. Hey guys, wondering if you see Dalton Reisner swinging out to tackle. If either Garrett Bowles or Juwan James doesn't pull their own weight at any point this season, seems like we have some depth at guard now for once. Yeah. I think the, that's one Fail safe. I don't think it's a preferred thing or anything the Broncos are necessarily planning on. But with a guy like Muti uh, and Cushenberry, they're still really high on Patrick Morris. Inside, they have a lot of options. It's outside where things seem to be really thin. And Dalton Reisner is one of the few interior guys, similar to Elijah Wilkinson, in that he can play inside. You could probably get by with him outside as well. I don't think that's what the Broncos prefer. He's playing where they prefer him, but who knows, man? There's all kinds of doomsday scenarios. Bowles gets benched. Bowles gets hurt. Who knows? But if that happens, he's probably the – not second. He's probably the third man taking left tackle after Elijah Wilkinson. If so, Elijah Wilkinson would then have to step in and fail or get hurt. Then I think that would necessitate Zach. Them maybe saying, oh, time to kick Dalton Reisner out to left tackle and put Muti at left guard. What I hate about that, though, is both spots would be getting worse. If you take Reisner and kick him out to left tackle, he's not going to be as good as left tackle as he is a guard, and the guy replacing Reisner at guard is not going to be as good as Reisner. I just... This conversation needs to end with the Broncos just signing a tackle, signing a veteran tackle, put a dependable, reliable, experienced, solid guy behind Garrett Bowles and Juwan James, two of the most inconsistent tackles in the entire NFL. This is not that complicated. DeWalter Drills saying to Buana, the mayor of our YouTube community. I know you're being funny, but no lie. Fant could honestly be the second best tight end behind Albert O. The dude is huge, fast, and a red zone monster, not to mention great hands and chemistry with Locke. DeWalter, this is not a bold prediction by any stretch, but the fact that he has existing history and chemistry, uh, bromance maybe even with Drew Locke, maybe he does end up kind of eclipsing Noah Fant down the road. It's going to take some time. But no offense, you know, he's a legit, he's a formidable threat. I know Buana's not huge on no offense, and that's cool. Again, everyone's got their opinions. It's okay to differ. It's okay to have disagreements. That's what makes sports and sports talk so much fun, so passionate. 
but yeah, that's that's a sneaky underrated component is he's an athlete. He's really fast. He is a seam busting tight end, but he's still got to kind of show some chops as a blocker. He's still got to be able to prove a lot of things to these coaches before he could even come close to supplanting Noah Fant in the lineup. Yeah, Albert's like a big wide receiver trapped in a tight end's body, whereas Noah Fan is an all-around tight end, a multifaceted tight end. He improved as a blocker, leaps and bounds last season, obviously as good as a pass catcher. He's going to be the biggest benefactor of this Shermer offense, of the Drew Lock quarterbacking the Broncos offense. Alberto could be a consistent factor. He can be a, a contributor, catch a couple balls per game, but the number one tight end is and continue to will be uh, Noah Fan. All right, just make sure my dogs aren't going crazy there. Bear with me one sec here, Broncos country. Um, let's grab Vinay here. I haven't seen this, but Woody Page from Vinay says uh, he thinks that Denver will sign a left tackle. Cordy Glenn, Jason Beach, uh, Peters, and uh, is it, it's Kelvin Beecham. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, again, when Woody Page says something, you kind of got to take it serious. Again, his, his bold predictions and whatnot um, tend to, to be correct here. So we're getting some information here that my side, Zach has been fine. Chad is freezing, which is really weird because I'm literally hardwired into my router right now. So um, I'll have to take a look at that. I apologize, you guys. And uh, maybe it's a bandwidth issue. I'll have to check and see, make sure not too much internet is being used when uh, we stream. I think that might be it, which is hard to do when your kids are keyword and they're all <laughs> on their tablets and phones and trying to play xbox so i'll have to try and nip that in the bud down the road guys um let's grab this one here from whoop right when i went to click on him he jumped on me bear with me one sec guys zach have you noticed me glitching out on your side you've been good for a while it was one time and then i don't know if it was me or you at the time but you've been good for a while we've been pretty consistent okay all right guys we've got about 10 minutes to go. Uh, let's see here. Where'd he go? Drake wants to know. He's asked this a couple of times. What play calls do you think the Broncos will run with the offense? Um, dude, Vertical ones. It's, it's about aggression. It's about spreading out the field. I mean, just follow the, the uh, breadcrumbs here. All right. They, they go out and they hire Pat Shermer. Yeah, it's a West Coast offense in the same way that the Kansas City Chiefs offense is based on a West Coast philosophy, but it prioritizes the spread. They want to use spacing to create separation. Add into that the element now of speed before this draft hall. Here's one thing that we have to tip our cap to John Elway on this draft. Before this draft hall, Cortland Sutton, 4-5, he's mostly using his physicality. 4-5 is nothing to sneeze at, but that's not the – I mean, that's kind of an average wide receiver speed in today's NFL. He's mostly using his physicality and his ability to go up as a vertical guy and get the ball, catch it at the high point, et cetera. Now, I mean, before this draft, Noah Fant was really the only true element of speed as real real role players that the Broncos had to hang their hat on, four or five speed at a tight end in the seam in the middle of the, of the field. That's legit. But now you're bringing in Jerry Judy. Now you're bringing in Hamler, depending on who you believe. Four two seven speed could compete with the Henry Ruggs in terms of being the fastest wide receiver, if he would have ran at the combine, he was hurt though, or if he would have had his pro day, et cetera. So those things combined, you're going to see Drew Locke have the ability to really be that point guard and distribute the ball to some, I think you're going to see some pretty wide open dudes at times this coming season because of the scheme that Pat Shermer utilizes. And as Zach talked about, 
you're going to see also a prioritization of the vertical game. You're going to see the Broncos trying to go deep. And with a true burner like Hamler, and this is one of the things that I can, you know, I didn't love the pick in the second round, but this is how I can get myself excited about the pick. Again, it's not much to do with the player. It's what I would have preferred them do different in the second round as opposed to grabbing another burner. Nevertheless, he's here, and I could see him. I mean, <laughs> opposing defenses, Zach, you got Cortland Sutton's a pro bowler. You got Jerry Judy's going to be a pro bowler. And then you've got a guy in the middle, plus Noah Fant. That, I mean, how are defenses going to pick that poison? Either way, they're, they're getting green in the gills. They're choking out. They're dying. That was really well explained, Chad. Just to piggyback off that, a lot of three wide receiver, one running back sets. So you're going to see Judy, Cortland Sutton, Hamler on the field together. Then as a running back, you have Lindsey or Melvin Gordon. You throw Noah Fant in there, like Chad said, you can't stop them all. So if Drew Locke gets on the same page with his weapon, Shermer is going to scheme ways to push the ball down the field and get the ball quickly in the hands of his speedster and let them do the rest. It's going to be exciting and explosive, something we haven't, adjectives we haven't used, Chad, since Peyton Manning was here. No doubt. Jalen wants to know, do you guys believe that the Broncos are playoff ready? And how many wins do you all see the Broncos getting? So Vegas has the over-under currently. I haven't seen it change post-draft yet. I expect that it will once the schedule comes out. At seven and a half, I think the Broncos are going to get to the nine-win mark and beyond. I think nine, ten wins, and I think it will be good enough to get them in as a wild card this year. And getting them back into the conversation, getting them back into the dance, Zach. To me, playoff-ready teams are teams that made the playoffs last year. The Broncos yes. haven't since 2015, so they're not playoff-ready, but they have playoff potential, and I think they will make it. I think they're going to be a 9, just like Chad said, a 9-10 win team, maybe 11-5 and five if things break a certain way. It all comes down to Drew, though. If he takes that step, if he develops, they can be a really, really dangerous and powerful team. Yeah, you got to remember, too, last year, the Broncos had the second toughest strength of schedule in the entire NFL. Good point. They yeah. still managed to go 7-9. and nine. And even in those games, seven and nine, I could think just right now at the top of my head without going back in every game, there's three games that they lost that they should have won. So even against the second strength of schedule, based on what the, the team they had last year, which was very imperfect, they should have been a 10-win team. Should have, would have, could have. I get that. But I'm encouraged by that going into 2020 based on the improvements they've made as well to the roster. Buona B says, thought on Trent Williams not taking the pay raise Staying in San Francisco. To me, it doesn't matter. He would have not done that for Denver. Does it change any of your thoughts? Exactly, Bona. He would not have done that in Denver because they're not perceived as a shoe-in contender. The Niners were playing in the Super Bowl, so he's like, yeah, yeah, we can wait on the contract thing. Just get me out of Washington. That would not have happened. So does it change any of my thoughts? No, I. but for what it's worth, I was – Zach and I disagreed <clears> – <throat> excuse me, disagreed on Williams. I wanted the Broncos to check into it. And uh, according to John Elway, if you believe him, they did not. They did not check into Trent Williams. Yeah, I mean, I talked about one of the arguments I made against it was he has kind of a volatile personality. He's not the best apple you want in the locker room. And he confirmed that by reportedly vetoing that trade he had set in place with the Vikings. He turned that down. He sank that that trade. So I'm happy the Broncos... You know, I don't like the fact they didn't draft a tackle, but I'm happy they stayed away from Trent Williams and give up a draft pick or pay him an exorbitant salary that he's still demanding. Cam brings up a good point. And this is something that, again, after the fact, I can start thinking about, well, here's the pros. Here's the cons. Mostly pros. Having a guy like Alberto coming into the tight end room. Cam says, the Broncos have to change up the tight end room. Too many players not available for too many years. And that is a great point. Jake Butt not towing the line. 
just can't get on the field. Troy Fumagalli missed his entire rookie year. Uh, Austin Fort, unfortunately, not that anyone's really banking on him being a, a factor in 2020, but too many injuries, too many guys, even Jeff Hireman not living up to his draft pedigree as a former third-round pick. They, I understand the Broncos feeling like they needed to kind of churn that room, but still you've got so many resources allocated there in terms of draft picks. Two fifth-rounders, but Fumagalli, former third-rounder, Hireman, plus what was he? Uh, I want to say that Andrew Beck was a New England Patriots seventh-round pick last year. They ended up waving him. The Broncos were able to, to claim him, but nevertheless – a lot of assets tied up there that they don't really have resolution on, which was one of the things I questioned about them making that pick. Nevertheless, Albert O, is he an upgrade over Troy Fumagalli? I think so, big time, especially based on his connection with Drew. Is he an upgrade over Hireman? I think eventually he can be. And that's as someone who's not a big Hireman guy, as you guys know. Is he an upgrade over Butt? Absolutely. Butt's a non-factor. So he does upgrade the room, but was that the most critical thing to do at pick 118 in the fourth round? That's what I question. That's what I'm saying. And what does it say that he's an upgrade over Fumagalli or Jeff Hireman, a, a draft bust? I mean, it's not saying much. They invested in Nick Vanette, a $7 million contract. They invested a first-round pick in Noah Fant. You're going to turn around in the fourth round and draft a tight end when you already have so many. That's what I question. The player they could have took at that spot, they took Albert O instead. Good player and all, but is it a guy they needed or was it a luxury pick? You guys tell me. James jumping in from across the pond. We appreciate you, my friend. He says, the tackle bros will be unhappy with this, but if there's players who return to school going to the supplemental draft, Nick Kendall suggests some buzz, I'd use a first and a second on Wade and Moses. Maybe. That might be. I mean, we'll see. The the supplemental draft this year might have a lot more names in it because of the NCAA doesn't exactly know how their football schedule is going to pan out in 2020, even though the NFL remains adamant that even if they have to delay their schedule or their season, their season is going to happen. So even if that means without fans in the stands, and if that does happen, it will suck, but it'd be better than no football, right? We can, I mean, just like the draft, it's it, to me, it wasn't as good not having them in the green room, not having them do the red carpet, not having them go out on the stage. Yeah, that takes away, but we were still watching and it was the highest rated NFL draft of all time. The same would apply if, that ends up being the result for the NFL. Is that for and the, the same? The same would apply if the Broncos can get the tackles in the supplemental draft. It's better than having nothing. It's better than having air behind Juwan James and Garrett Bowles. Appreciate that. EA Shalom. He says, you guys are doing great. Thanks for giving us your true thoughts and not blowing smoke. That's all we can Never. do, my friend. Uh, Drake, I heard some knee issues with Jerry. Do you think the Broncos are aware? Could be false, but just want this dude for the long haul. Yeah, he had a, uh, I want to say it was an MCO. A year and a half ago, and right before the draft started, a team tried to leak out that there were some lingering issues from that. <coughs> Philadelphia. It, yeah, exactly. But there were, it was smoke. It was pure football espionage trying to, trying to get him to, to drop to 21. He passed all the med checks at the combine. Most of the NFL teams knew that was BS, most of them. All right, Those that are managed by competent GMs, including the Broncos. It's nothing to be concerned about at this stage. No, not at all. I mean, I, I would feel very comfortable knowing the Broncos did their medical checks on him and looked into him. Elway has to feel comfortable making that pick, and uh, I, I think he's going to go on to have a long, prosperous career, Chad. I think that was just defamation during the draft. Brian jumping in with a $5 super once again. Thank you, Brian. Broncos versus Raiders score week one prediction and what player catches Locke's first pass of 2020. Do we know for sure it's going to be Broncos Raiders week one? Is that a for sure thing? 
maybe I missed that, but um, I haven't heard ass- that either. Assuming for the sake of the question that it is, if it's Broncos at Las Vegas and assuming there are fans in the stands, I'm going to say the Broncos eke out an ugly win similar to how they finished last season. Play gets made in the clutch. It's like a, you know, 24-23 type win if that's in Las Vegas. And as far as what player catches Locke's first pass, his first pass, not touchdown, his first pass, man, take your pick. But if you, if you had to, the odds would probably be on Cortland Sutton, don't yeah. you think? I'm going with that. Him or Judy, but I think the first pass is going to be a little hitter over the middle for five, seven yards to Cortland Sutton. In terms of the Raiders, I mean, the Broncos beat the Raiders with Drew Locke already, so why wouldn't they be favored to beat him again? I think they're a better team. And all the pieces that the Raiders drafted, including Henry Ruggs, it's going to take a while for them to come together. The Broncos are are a more win-now team than the Raiders are, in my opinion. So if they do face off week one, I think the Broncos will win that and fairly handily. Kathy, state of being is just a little catchphrase from the podcast. It's just something that kind of grew out of the show's culture. Something that we say that Broncos country is not a geographic location, that it is a state of being. And it's something that just kind of took, took off within the community and became a hashtag state of being baby. So there you have it. All right, let's see what else we got here. And then we got to wrap it up for tonight. Good to see you pickle Nick. Um, Let's see here. I don't want to miss bear with me one sec. Get some good questions. One or two more before we split on out. Grab Dave here. Appreciate you, Dave, jumping in. And Dave, if you are on Twitter, make sure you reach out so that we can tag you and give you some props. Great show, guys. I love that Elway put all of the wide receivers on on the roster on notice. Good point. That's a good point. I mean, three wide receivers, not counting the CFAs they signed. They signed two CFAs, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head, wide receivers. So, yeah, if you're Deshaun Hamilton, if you're Tim Patrick, if you're Deontay Spencer, if you're Fred Brown, you're definitely put on notice. It's you're going to have to come in and battle Juwan Winfrey as well. Right, that was what I was going to say, Winfrey too. But uh, I'm not, I'm going to risk a a prediction right now and say that Tim Patrick is safe. I think he's shown enough in the Broncos system. He's reliable. He has good chemistry with Drew Locke. I think he will be safe. But if I'm Deshaun Hamilton, if I'm any of the other receivers, I am chewing my fingernails right now because, like the comment said, Chad, great point. They did put them on notice. If you don't perform, we have guys in the building already that will replace you. All right, let's see. We didn't grab Austin yet, right? No. No. Appreciate that, Super Austin. Thank you if so much. Twitter, make sure you reach out, bro. <clears throat> he says, uh, thanks so much for the consistent content. <clears throat> Excuse me, frog in my throat. Unrelated to the Broncos, but where do you see Cam Newton landing? Do you see him starting? I don't see him starting, Zach. I think those opportunities have just dried up for now anyway, unless yeah. there's an injury in camp or someone really disappoints somebody. But uh, that's really hard. I was thinking about this earlier today, of course, not Bronco-related, but I saw a report that New England is possibly a destination, but if Belichick hasn't moved on that already, it's probably unlikely to happen. So honestly, when it comes to Cam Newton, your guess is as good as mine. Maybe one of the rookie teams that drafted a rookie in the – well, you got Rodgers, you got the L.A. Chargers drafting – Herbert. Herbert, who else? Burrow, they already have a fail-safe there. We already established that today in Dalton. Uh, Was there one? The Dolphins. He has a Dolphins, and you got you got the Rosen Bros in there as a failsafe. Maybe Miami. Maybe he stays down in the South, so to speak. So I don't know. That's a tough one. What do you think, Zach? 
The, the Patriots reportedly are the betting favorite, but I feel like if Belichick wanted him, he would have signed him already. I think they're comfortable with Jared Stidham as a quarterback. A part of me thinks that Belichick is subtly tanking the season shed and getting a shot at Trevor Lawrence next year. Mm-hmm. That's what I genuinely believe. In terms of Cam Newton, I don't know. It's tough because every starting job is set right now. When Jameis Winston landed a great backup role with the Saints, that was a great landing spot for him. Maybe the Redskins, he has the Ron Rivera connection and uh, they need a backup behind Dwayne Haskins. Maybe something there. I don't know. Tough position for Cam to be in, though. Well, where'd he go? Where'd that Ryan comment go? I'm sorry, Ryan. I'll grab it in just one second. One or two more guys, then we got to go. A House Comics jumped in on Super Chat. Appreciate you. you, bro. Where do we stand post draft against the AFC West? Zach, I still maintain that for now, they're number two. Yeah. Could they challenge the Chiefs? Only time will tell. I think they they have a lot better chance this year to split with the Chiefs, but I still think they go into 2020 considering that – I mean, we're talking about the world champions. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes and the yeah. whole nine yards. So I think number two, where they ended 2019, is where they're going to start. I haven't seen anything from the off-seasons of any of the AFC West teams to disabuse me of that notion. Like I mentioned earlier, if the Chiefs were in the division, having to face the Broncos twice a year, they'd be favorites to win this Western division as it stands without the Chiefs. But regardless, they're going to be a 9-10 win team. They should make a wild card. And I like the Broncos' chances. Uh, And second place this year, Chad, considering how strong the Chiefs are, it's nothing to sneeze at. Appreciate you, Ryan. He says, hey, guys, former sportscaster, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently discovered you guys, and you become a must-watch for me every night. I know the work that you have to put in. Great stuff. That means a lot, Ryan. Thank you very much. Yeah. We really do appreciate it. Jeff wants to know our predictions on whether or not the Broncos pick up Bulls' fifth year. Deadline is approaching early May. What's your bold prediction, Zach? I don't – God, I don't know. A part of me says they didn't pick up – they didn't draft a tackle because they're going to pick up the option. I just – I don't think they do. I think they're going to roll with the punches this season, see what he can do under Mike Munchak in year two. If he improves, they can always resign him. I don't think they're going to commit any more to him than they did already, Chad. I'm going to say the exact opposite. I, I don't know what it is, and I could be dead wrong on this, you guys. Same, yeah. I might have to eat some crow, but I think they're going to pick up his option, even though it's going to come with a significant pay increase. Left tackles don't grow on trees. I mean, it's hard to find one, and I think they're going to bank on the most recent information, and that is how he played down the stretch, finally started showing some improvement under Mike Munchak. I think they're going to end up picking it up, but we'll only time will tell. And Jay House, I just wanted to be able to show you that uh, your I did I thought it skipped your your super chat card. It did not. Uh, so there you go. All right, one or two more guys, and we got to go. Rick wants to know. I believe half of the tight ends will be released after training camp. What do you think? Pretty fair. I mean, they have to. How many? The most you're going to carry the most is four. four. I think they end yeah. up carrying three. Zach. Yeah, the only ones that are safe are the ones that are going to make the roster, which is Fant, Vanette, and Albert O. Everyone else could be a goner, including Fumagalli, including Butt, Hireman. Beck could make it as the fullback, but I'm with Chad. I think they carry three and go heavier at the offensive line or defensive line or the secondary on the final roster. Kathy jumping in saying, I liked watching the at-home draft. It was not. It was neat seeing all those guys in their homes with their families watching their dreams come true. I agree, Kathy. Like, I don't know if you saw the uh, – I, I wouldn't necessarily agree that I liked it better than the traditional draft, but it was cool seeing that. For example, I think it's up on Broncos' YouTube channel. Go check out the the Cushionberry pick inside Cushionberry HQ and how his family reacted and his father. Really, really cool. Uh, I recommend all Broncos fans go check that out. All right, guys, last one, then we got to get out of here for tonight. Red John jumping in. Really Thank appreciate you. you, bro. Make sure you reach out if you're on Twitter and let me know who you are so we can connect. 
Hey, guys, I'm still scared about the cornerback position. How dependent are we on Callahan this year? Well, that's one of the reasons why the Broncos used a premium pick on a corner so that they wouldn't be as dependent. I still think they are dependent in a lot of real ways on Callahan being available for this team. But we'll see. Michael Ojemudia, I think he's one of the sleepers of this class who could end up becoming a significant starter role player that you don't necessarily see it right now looking at a depth chart on paper, but who could end up being that guy. We'll see. He's smart enough. If the Broncos were truly scared about Callahan still, I feel like they would have signed a Mukamara on top of drafting uh, Ojemuda where they did. They, they're rolling with the punches right now, assuming Callahan should be healthy, and he should. He had a whole year off to rest that foot chat. If he's not healthy by now, he has bigger problems than playing in the NFL. All right, guys, we got to get out of here for tonight. Thank you, each and every one of you, for joining us live. Appreciate you contributing to the conversation, even though we don't always agree on every little issue. Appreciate your uh membership in this community. It means a lot to us and contributing to the conversation. A mile high salute to our super chat superstars. You guys mean everything to us. Yes. And a reminder to make sure you like the video before you bounce on out, you guys. That's a simple, easy way. You have no idea how much that helps us with the social media algorithms out there in terms of growing the show and getting this out in front of new eyeballs, people just like you that would appreciate the show. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and the podcast account at Huddle Up. My partner, you can see here at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. And if you're in a position or you're interested, check out huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on, get a hat, get a hoodie, get a t-shirt, get a mug, get a uh, face mask, all kinds of options. Check that out when you get some time. And then Zach and I are off tomorrow night. You'll get Nick and Carl building the Broncos and uh, six o'clock mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then Zach and I will return Wednesday night, same time, six-ish mountain. 8.15 Eastern, probably, if we're being honest. But uh, until then, Zach, have a great start to your week, my brother. You as well, everyone out there. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. We'll see you guys soon. Shout out to Buana. Thanks for keeping everything uh, nice and uh, and kosher in the, in the chat stream. For Zach, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday night. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.